All right. So um, I'm not really, um, contrary to popular belief, given to hyperbole. But I actually think that what I might start to talk about um, this week and over the next couple of weeks might be some of the most or more important things that I've had to say uh, in, 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 a, in a while. You know, um, we just celebrated sort of two years of getting together on um, Sundays and uh, we sort of started in a, <laughs> in a rush, in a cloud, in a, a vague... Um, environment and we haven't really um, particularly uh, done much other than get together with any degree of particular intention but um, I, I've, I, and I've been given a lot of uh, thought to, to that and, and many other things in life so I want to start today um, to build towards something very uh, particular and uh, I'm gonna frame it within a, a new series of conversations called How to Be Human. And they're going to be the, the framework of uh, a sketching out, I think, really, of um, most of the things that are meaningful to me in life, and particularly my, my thoughts about uh, gatherings like this, about church, about religion, about spirituality, about morality, about ethics, and all of those things, and why I think none of that has any value in the 21st century. So um, I'm, I'm gonna sort of talk um, towards uh, some ideas that I think might prove uh, fruitful for us um, in this room. And, and it, it, it intersects quite a lot with, you know, Pete and I spend a lot of time talking. We, we do different things, but, but we have similar influences and, 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 and similar desires and, and, and similar things that, that we'd like to sort of uh, see people connect with and uh, embrace. But I'm particularly, uh, as, as you've probably gathered, I, I have no axe to grind with uh, religion or church or spirituality or, or any of those things. Um, I just feel like I'm jumping off a different diving board in those uh, conversations. So I decided to keep jumping off that board instead of trying to step over to the other one. So. I, that's probably very meandery, and this will be a little meandery because I only sorted this out yesterday afternoon after I'd seen Pete on Larchmont and we had a conversation about nothing. But in that conversation about nothing, I somehow had these little things that sort of fell into place. So I came, and then I had to go out um, last night. So I came home and, and I just wrote a bunch of uh, things down that I think I'd been holding in my head for, I don't know, a long time. So. So I wrote them down. So there you go. That's that's how organised this is. So um, and I coloured them because I'd, I was trying to work out if I even understood what I was writing. So and you know and I I wrote down and and some of this has to do with what I should buy at the market later, which might be the most important things uh, on 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 the list. But anyway, so let me explain. So I, I I've spent like many of you much of my my life around Christianity and uh, and around. Churchy, churchy stuff. But in the last 10 or 15 years, I, I, I found myself in many ways increasingly um, alienated or distanced from some of the more conventional approaches to uh, religion and, and, and uh, spirituality. And, and I've encountered lots of people, probably quite a few of you uh, in this room, 
who have a long history of relationship with religion, be it Christianity, Judaism, or, or something else, and, and some sense of a desire and a, and a need to connect to something in, in, in your life, um, but also uh, not necessarily buying the whole package of religion in, in the way that you perhaps bought it before, not really thinking about it in, 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 in the same concepts. While all that's been going on within religion, stranger things have been happening um, outside in, in the world around us because for, for much of the last part of the 20th century, um, most people thought that religion, particularly in uh, America and Western countries, was essentially sort of on the decline and, and going away. And there was this sense in which uh, you had um, this notion that, that, that religion was something that belonged to an other era and that it had no value in, in the modern world. But now in you know, the second decade of the 20th century, it, it's hard to turn around without encountering some kind of expression of spirituality or religion. You know, it's sort of everywhere, whether it's sort of uh, anti-religious sentiment or whether it's religious fundamentalism or, or whether it's people. I mean, it's LA, so everybody's into some kind of spirituality. And, um, you know, that, it, that's a sort of uh, uh, umbrella term. And a lot of people talk about that in, in the framework of the, the, the return of uh, religion. And so, and, and you see it, well, I, I, so I'll hold that off. But I, but I think that there's a couple of significant moments uh, uh, that are really important that happened. You know, in, in 2007, 2000 was a really, 2007 was an interesting year in, in, in the world of religious conversation, because that was the year that you got sort of Sam Harris, I mean, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens sort of laying out their kind of screeds against religion and kind of promoting a kind of new atheism and a kind of dismissal of anything uh, spiritual or, or, or anything like that. But I actually think that was the last gasp of that particular way of thinking. And what's happened since then is not uh, an acceleration of um, movements towards atheism or stuff like that, but a kind of acceleration of a whole bunch of different things. However, I don't think there's been a return of religion. I think we've turned to religion because we don't know how else to work out what's going on. But what I think is going on is a realization. There's a philosopher, um, I, I'd say I like him, but it's always hard to say you like a philosopher because basically they beat you up with their ideas and you just have to sort of wrestle your way through and some of them, you know, you're sort of happy to walk with for a while. So there's this, this European philosopher, Peter Sloterdijk, who's an who, who, in, interesting guy and um, he, he made a, 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 a statement he, and, and, and he said that, that there's, there's a, a realization within society and he says it better than me I think so I, I, I'm stealing it so but I'm letting you know that I've stolen it and crediting him but he says it that, that there's a, a realization amongst people in in the Western world that we don't just exist in the material condition of existence there's there's there are other things going on and he says those other two things that are going on are these, the, the, symbolic, um, the symbolic immune systems and the ritualistic shells that we all exist in. 
So he says, uh, human beings, we don't just exist as, regardless of what biologists might say, there's somehow more to us than just materiality. Because we who are material live in a world that's defined and shaped by the symbolic structures that we find ourselves in, political systems, economic systems, national systems, tribal systems, ethnic systems, all those kind of things. And the, the, the kind of ritualistic shells that we build around our lives to give us some sense of uh, direction or, or, or meaning or purpose, or at least that's my understanding of, of what, what he says. So if you think about it, I think what he means is that you know, your immune system, like your nervous system, that's what sort of repels, uh, keeps you healthy and diseased uh, and disease away from you. It's the thing that, that nurtures you and uh, immunizes you against um, the, the stuff that comes at you in life. And we build those things. We have those systems within our society. So we live in America. It's a democratic society. So hopefully, you know, demagoguery and dictatorship and all those things, we're, we're immunized from that by, by the, the sort of symbolic system of, uh, of, of democracy. We also have, on a more sort of personal level, these kind of outer shells, these kind of ritual shells that, that, that we build our lives in. So. Now, when people think about sort of symbolism and they think about ritual and they think about sort of imbuing life with some sense of being more than just flesh and blood, quite often we, we tend to revert to religious and spiritual ideas to explain all of that. So we think symbolism and ritual only exist in religion, but they don't. They exist everywhere. We live in symbol systems and ritual systems if we never set foot inside um, a religious system. Being alive means that you're in symbolic immune systems and in ritual shell systems that we create. Going to Starbucks every single day is a ritual shell system that somehow gives you some sense of who you are becoming as a person. You're a Starbucks person, not a Pete's coffee person. Or you're a coffee bean. I know that sounds trite, but, but there's a way in which that actually has resonance and, and, and important meaning. Now, a few years back, um, the philosopher Hegel and some of his followers and even Karl Marx made sort of a, 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 a statement about humanity. And they basically said that man himself produces man. So man, if you like, humanity, humanity makes itself. So in answer to all of the, the systems of society, uh, Marx and others said, no, 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 all those things are wrong. What makes us is we as humans make ourselves. We make ourselves. The question is, how do we do that? How do we make ourselves as, 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 as human beings? In the 21st century, um, if you talk to people about their life and, and you listen to the things that we say to each other um, about how we're doing in life, a lot of, a lot of people I hear, especially, um, well, no, everywhere actually, a lot of people will say, oh, well, I, well I'm working on myself. And we have this language, um, this idea that how we become better versions of ourselves is by working on ourselves. And I think that's a product of... of um, coming of age in an era of kind of psychology and, and self-help and, and all of those notions. But I actually want to say that that's not how we become ourselves. That's actually a fallacy. 
that how we become ourselves is actually through life and through living and particularly through living our life in particular forms of practice. And by practice, I don't just mean um, necessarily high-minded things that we do. I mean literally things like the, the, the ritual practices of eating and drinking, uh, of dressing, of going to Starbucks or not going to Starbucks, or how we bank or how we think about money, but also the other ideas that usually are wrapped up in, in, in the world of religion or spirituality or, or morality and, and uh, ethics. So for me, I think, uh, and I guess this is where I'm, I, I'm sort of moving towards, is I, 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 want, I want to think about this room and this space, not as rethinking religion or spirituality. Actually, not rethinking religion or spirituality at all, but actually thinking about how we form ourselves through the practices that we embrace, through the symbolic structures that we live in, and through the ritual shells that, that, that we put on in our life. Does that, does that make sense? Because to me, it's what we do in repetition that makes us become who we are. And that can be a positive and a negative, but it doesn't have to be religious to have meaning in it. And what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say, and, 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 and the re this, where this got to me is, you know, I, I teach theology, so I spend a lot of time arguing with people about, well, not arguing, talking with people about what they believe versus what somebody else believes and all that kind of stuff. And one of the big things that comes up over and over and over and over and over and over and over is you hear people say all the time. It's, it's like, it's so trite that I, I, I hesitate to say it, but people go, no, 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 I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. And then, you know, everybody who has an opinion about that weighs in and it's either dismissed as like hocus pocus or it's like, oh, I totally get it. Yeah, you're really into all of that stuff. And that plays out even with religious people. And they go, yeah, well, I, I mean, I go to church, but I'm not religious. I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I just go to church. I formalized it a, a, a little bit more. And within the horizons of religions like Christianity, you see an awful lot of people rejecting dogma and embracing practices, spiritual practices. People talk about spiritual practices and spiritual formation. All I want to say is you can't go backwards to make your way forward in the 21st century. You can't just embrace what the past used to do and think that it's going to get you where you want to get in the 21st century. It's not that it won't be helpful, but it's not held in the history of the past, the story that we need to be human. It's held in our lives today when we understand that it's how we live now, the practices that we create, the ritual shells that we live in, and the symbolic structures that we work through that, that, that really uh, make all the difference. Spirituality, piety, religion, morality, ethics, asceticism, those are, are, are words that we use to describe this stuff in the past. But I want to take all of those words and all of those ideas and turn them upside down and inside out until things like religion, spirituality, ethics, morality can be viewed from an entirely different angle and seen to be something that they are, which is a noble means of getting to today, but not the pathway to get into tomorrow. Religion, if you like, 
is nothing more than a symbolically structured behavioral system. That's all it is. It's just a symbolic structure that gives people a way of behaving. And you take any religion, and you know, if, if you like Karen Armstrong, you've probably read her book, you know, about everybody, every religion has a golden rule. Well, of course they do. Because the goal of a religion is to give you a symbolic behavioral structure, a structure by which you can function and, and exist. Christianity and Judaism have the Ten Commandments, or Christianity's got you know the New Commandment from uh, Jesus. They're, they're just behavioral structures and and systems, and there's nothing intrinsically special about them. They're ways in which people have structured their life to give them symbolic systems in which they can act and become themselves. And within those symbolic structures, you're given ritual structures. So the, the, Jesus talking um, in Matthew's gospel that Oliver read to the Pharisees. You know, you hear a lot of people and they say, you know, well, you need to pray more. If you're a Christian, you should read the Bible more. You know, you should do this, you should do this. Those are the very things that Jesus said they, they shouldn't bother doing. That's what, you know, the Pharisees, the benchmark for a high-minded spirituality, they were doing all of that. And Jesus kind of went, meh. It's like, yeah, but that actually doesn't make the difference. There's something else. And it's in that little phrase, don't do what they do. Don't do what they do. Because they're not practicing. They're not living a life of practice. They're living a life of talking and play acting. You know, he called them quite often hypocrites. Hypocrites is a Greek word that essentially means actors on the stage of life. They're just acting. And sometimes we enter into a system and it gives us the ability to act a certain way. It can be helpful, it can be a place to hide, but it isn't necessarily transformative. So, this guy, um, Sloterdijk, said this. He said, the history of humanity is the history of immune system battles that are formatted tribally, nationally, imperially, in strategic alliances. But he said, basically, if you look at the history of the world, what it represents is the battle of structurally symbolized immune systems. England has an empire. Its symbolic structure takes over the whole earth and it enters into all of these immune system relationships and it spreads in its uh, own self-understanding like a happy virus across the whole world because who wouldn't want to be ruled by Queen Victoria? Nobody, right? But to every place it spreads, it becomes an attack on their particular immune system. So Sloterdijk says the whole world is a battle between these symbolic immune system structures. And we see that today in, in, in such a profound way. We're, we're seeing it playing out within a society, the immune system structures of Democrats and Republicans. 
the virus that's trying to, you know, they're both trying to infect each other and the country with. Um, you, you see it um, between uh, religions, between tribal groups, between people everywhere. And you look at all of this and you go, does this ever change and does this ever stop? Now, I don't want to get too idealistic because I'm English. So it's very difficult for me to practice uh, a high idealism. And, and, I, and I don't think that things particularly change that quickly or much at all. But what I will say is there, I think, is a way of renouncing immune systems that are symbolically structured through religions that perpetuate these disease competitions between people. And that through a different kind of life practicing, there's a way of becoming human that is markedly different to the way that's been characterized in, in the past. So over the next few weeks, I'm, I'm going to talk about what I think that means and how to do it. Pete and I have been going back and forth on this for, for a, a, a long time, arguing over which one of us came up with the term. I think it was me, but it could have been him. Um, I came up with this notion, because you know how like, um, people are always talking about you know, finding balance and getting centered? And you know, so you do all these things so you can find balance and peace in your life, you know. Um, well, we want to do decentering practices. Because I don't know if you've known it or not, there isn't balance in life. There is never, uh, uh, even the yin and yang sign, you know, it's equal, but it always goes up and down like that. There is no, balance is a myth. Life is a constant walk on a seesaw of chaos. So we're going to start the process of incorporating practices of decentering, decentering ourselves from religion, decentering ourselves from symbolic structures that isolate and alienate, and moving towards creating a symbolic structure and a ritual shell in this place that actually teaches us in a particular way how to be human. Tom Waits, who I like, I'll end with a little quote from him. He said this, he said, you know, people really only travel with a couple of things, their seeds and their songs. He said, um, recently there was an issue, uh, there was an interview with some uh, Bosnian refugees and they left their home with nothing. And so they were asked by the interviewer what they had with them. And all they had with them were two things. Seeds in their pockets from the gardens they'd left behind and their songs, the songs of their culture. That was it. And Tom Waits said, once you're nourished like that, everything else follows along. So how to be human is essentially made up of two things. The songs we sing, and the seeds that we carry to plant in the new garden. So that's what I'm going to talk about in the next few weeks. So say hello to somebody and we'll do something else now. <laughs>